This is a big development in the Washington, D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, oral argument involving Donald Trump's uh, appeal on the issue of absolute presidential immunity. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals has told Donald Trump's lawyers and special counsel Jack Smith to be ready to address the discrete issues that were submitted to the court in the powerful amicus briefs that we've been covering here on the Midas Touch Network, two in particular that are very persuasive, and we covered it here. Let me take a let me just show you the DC Circuit Court of Appeals order. Let me show you why I think this is so important. This is a per curiam order. All three judges on this panel, Judge Henderson, Judge Pan, and Judge Childs, all agree that this is what they want to see happen. And here's what they request. It is hereby ordered on the court's own motion that counsel be prepared to address at oral argument on January 9th, 2024, any inquiries by the court regarding the discrete issues raised in the briefs by the amicus curiae, by the friends of the court, these outside parties that submitted briefs to the court on issues that had not been briefed before or had not come before the court, whether it was by the district court, Judge Tanya Chutkin's order, or by the briefing submitted by the parties. Let me tell you why this is so big. Recall the two amicus briefs that have been filed so far. You have an, another one was just filed as well, but the two main ones I want to discuss in this brief. Number one is the uh, amicus brief that was submitted by former officials in five Republican administrations supporting special counsel Jack Smith. These were top Republican lawyers. I'll get into that in a moment. And then the other one was from a group called American Oversight, and they're represented by a law firm, Arnold Porter K. and Scholler. And I covered that one as well. You will recall that the uh, amicus brief submitted by the officials in the five Republican administrations argued that under the Constitution's vesting clause, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 1, uh, that Donald Trump's claim of absolute presidential immunity would essentially mean there would be no terms for presidents because they could simply declare themselves uh, in office in perpetuity, take the power of a dictator, and then claim they're immune from prosecution. I'll, I'll delve into that in a little more detail with you. The American oversight argument, you'll recall, we covered it here on the Midas Touch Network, is that the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals does not have jurisdiction to even hear this appeal because American Oversight argues this is not appropriate for interlocutory review, that the order by the district court denying Donald Trump's motion to dismiss the indictment on absolute presidential immunity grounds does not constitute a collateral order and thereby an interlocutory appeal cannot be taken. We'll get into these concepts a little bit more detail right now, but I wanted to frame the issue right there before getting into more detail. And the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals has now formally accepted, previously did before, that, that amicus brief filed by the top lawyers in five prior Republican administrations. And before issuing the order that I just read for you at the outset of this video, 
ordering that the parties, Trump and Jack Smith, be prepared to address these issues that were addressed in these amicus briefs. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals also accepted, formally accepted, the amicus brief uh, provided or submitted by American Oversight. So uh, the Court of Appeals, anybody can file amicus briefs with the various courts of appeals, with the Supreme Court, with with the district court. Um, They're usually only submitted in high-profile cases. The Supreme Court gets lots of amicus briefs on on the various cases that are on its docket. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals and the various Circuit Court of Appeals usually don't get as many amicus briefs because there usually isn't that high profile issues that are, you know, that are addressed on a day-to-day basis. But when there are, amicus briefs are submitted. Anybody can submit them. That's a third party. An amicus brief is a third party brief intended to try to persuade the court. But it has to address some unique issue that is not already being considered or contemplated by the court, the court can reject it. If the court accepts it, that doesn't mean they're embracing the argument. That just means that they'll say, okay, I'm going to read it. And then the DC Circuit Court of Appeals went a step further, not only saying, okay, I'm accepting it. We'll, we'll read this because they could have rejected it and said, we don't even, we're not going to even look at this. Um, they said, okay, we'll, we'll read it. Not only that, but the full panel said, and you know what, Trump, and you know what, Jack Smith, we want you to address these issues. And by the way, this is good news as well because both of those amicus briefs that I'm mentioning are supportive of Jack Smith's position. They're supportive of, frankly, the constitutional position that there is no absolute presidential immunity uh, when it comes to uh, former presidents who engage in criminal conduct. That's just absolutely uh, absurd. So let's just take a look right now, though, at these two amicus briefs that have now been accepted and the discrete issues that the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is asking the parties to address. So the first one is the amicus brief submitted by officials in five Republican administrations. It goes all the way back to Nixon. And if you look at it, you know, who this list is, it's a who's who of the top Republican lawyers in the various administrations. Everybody from Donald Ayer, Deputy Attorney General and Deputy Solicitor uh, Attorney General from 89 to 90. Uh, was in the Reagan administration. John Bellinger, uh, legal advisor to the State Department from 2005 to 2009, um, and in the legal advisor to the National Security Council at the White House, 2001 to 2005. Barbara Comstock, representative of the 10th Congressional District of Virginia, um, and she was there from 2015 to 2019. Uh, John Danforth, uh, United States Senator from Missouri uh, from 1976 to 1995, and United States Ambassador to uh, the United Nations from 2004 to 2005, and the Attorney General of Missouri from 1969 to 1976. You got everyone, you know, all the way down on the list to, to Judge Luddick. You, you get the point there. We're talking about top Republicans, uh, senators, members of Congress, top judges, top people in the Justice Department. Cold turkey may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your crazy neighbor. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume, and they look at the problem in a different way. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. 
And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. First time I tried fume, it was way more flavorful than imagined and feels very fresh. The fume was well-weighted, perfectly balanced, and extremely fun to fidget with. You gotta try the new Solano fume. It's made with a premium walnut barrel and an onyx-coated mouthpiece that has a slightly softer finish. Start the year off right with The Good Habit by going to tryfume.com slash legalaf and getting the journey packed today. Fume is giving listeners of the show 10% off when they use my code legalaf to help make starting the good habit that much easier. Um, and they're the ones who argued that uh, because of the executive vesting clause, that there's actually textual support why you would not have absolute presidential immunity. And this is what they say in that brief. This is the discrete issue that the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals wants uh, Trump and Jack Smith to be prepared to address that oral argument. A core allegation of the indictment is that Mr. Trump knew that it was false to say that there had been outcome determinative voting fraud in the 2020 election, but nonetheless engaged in criminal lies and conspiracies to overturn the legitimate results of the 2020 presidential election and retain power. Under these allegations, former President Trump's criminal conduct was directed to usurping the authority and functions of the presidency for the current term to which President Biden was legitimately elected. That constitutes an alleged effort to violate Article 2, Section 1, Clause 1, also called the Executive Vesting Clause. That is an attack on Article 2's very design for the presidency itself. The last thing presidential immunity should do is embolden presidents who lose re-election to engage in criminal conduct through official acts or otherwise as part of efforts to prevent the vesting of executive power required by Article 2 in their lawfully elected successors. And Article 2, Section 1, Clause 1 of the Constitution provides the executive power shall be vested in the President of the United States of America. He shall hold his office during the term of four years and together with the vice president chosen for the same term be elected as follows. So that was the discrete issue addressed by that amicus brief. Then in the American Oversight uh, Brief, they said this is a jurisdictional issue, D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. There is a 1989 Supreme Court case called uh, Midland Asphalt. That's just the, the name of one of the parties. That's why it's called that way. Justice Scalia, now deceased, though, who was a very kind of right-wing conservative justice, found that only where there is strict textual support in the Constitution or a statute for an interlocutory appeal or a strict textual support or a statute for some immunity, unless that strict textual support exists, there should not be any jurisdiction at all. You are not allowed to do interlocutory appeals. The order by a court on these issues that aren't involved in some sort of strict textual creation of an immunity, 
That's not a collateral order. You have to wait if you are a criminal defendant until the case is over, until you are convicted before you take an appeal, because only then when a final judgment is achieved, then you can appeal the whole case. But you can't appeal piecemeal unless there's strict textual support or a statute that would let you. And look, the case says what the case says. I mean, that's what Midland Asphalt says. You've got a right-wing, strict textualist in Scalia justice who, um, who, who made that decision that would seem to resonate a lot with the current Supreme Court bench, 6-3. And not having jurisdiction is actually a quicker way for both the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court to basically say, you know what, Trump, come back to us when we are, um, when the case and the trial is over. This should go to trial immediately. That's why that American oversight brief is ingenious, because the Supreme Court and courts of appeals generally uh, have a uh, something called constitutional avoidance. Um, and where they could, it's a, it's a canon of constitutional interpretation called constitutional avoidance, where the Supreme Court or Court of Appeals does not have to make some brand new law on the Constitution yet. They will avoid doing so until the issue is kind of fully and finally um, has to be decided. And only then, when it has to be decided, will they reach the issue of the merits of what the Constitution said. Notably, Jack Smith didn't make that jurisdictional argument because I think that Jack Smith is like, I don't want to do constitutional avoidance. I want to go right to the core of it. You don't have absolute presidential immunity. Former presidents are not entitled to king-like powers. The doctrine doesn't exist, and even at the outer limits, if it did exist, it doesn't exist here where the conduct based on the Blassingame D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals decision, based on the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals decision and the Meadows case, this is not within the ambit of what Article 2 is about, the conduct Trump was engaged in. It's for the states to monitor their own elections, not for uh, presidents, now former presidents, to interfere with the results of state-operated elections. So Jack Smith didn't go there. That's why Jack Smith didn't. But American Oversight said, no, 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 no. This is an issue where D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals under Midland Asphalt, you don't have jurisdiction. This case, Trump didn't have the right to do an interlocutory appeal before you, so you should not even have to uh, entertain the merits. Just send it back to the district court for trial, and that's what this, uh, what the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals wants the parties to address. So in addition to just the issues raised in, in, in the order by Judge Tanya Chuckin, in addition to the issues raised in Special Counsel Jack Smith's answering brief and, and in Trump's uh, opening brief, D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is saying parties address the jurisdictional issue, whether we should even be able to hear this in the first place and address the issue of the executive vesting clause brought by the uh, top Republican lawyers be before us as as well. So big development there as well. And I mean, look, the, this oral argument takes place January 9th. Trump's lawyers are going to get ripped to shreds because their argument is so specious, so frivolous. 
I can only imagine what that uh, oral argument is is going to uh, is going to look like. But of course, we'll keep you posted every step of the way. I'm Ben Micellis. This is the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 2 million subscribers thanks to your support. Let's get there this month. Thank you so much. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.